This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Well, welcome to the Jason in the House podcast. I'm Jason Chaffetz, and I'm excited that we are going to give a call to my friend, uh, Trey Gowdy. Gowdy and I served in the House of Representatives, overlapped. We were on the Oversight Committee together. We were on the Judiciary Committee together. Similar life situations uh, that we love our family and adore our kids, and we are away from home, so we spent a lot of time in Congress together. Also, don't drink and uh, you know don't consume alcohol. So we were kind of behaving there on campus and uh, while we were there, but I saw him morning, noon, and night, whether I wanted to or not, and uh, became a very good friend. We're going to have a good conversation with him. I have no idea where this conversation is going to go with him, but that's always the entertaining part of it. Uh, two things before we get to the conversation with Trey. Uh, one is Hunter Biden's no-show in the House of Representatives. I know that was a couple weeks ago, but it still bothers me more than ever. A duly issued subpoena is not a suggestion. It's not a point of negotiation. It is something you have to comply with. If you were going to, if you were ordered by the court to attend a court proceeding, you need to show up. If you didn't show up, guess what? There would be consequences. And for them to suggest, when I say them, uh, Hunter Biden and his attorney, Abby Lowell, for them to suggest that, oh, well, it, you know, I'm only going to answer legitimate questions and I'm only going to answer, you know, in a public setting. You don't set the terms and the rules. That's not the way our country's worked. And by the way, the Oversight Committee was founded in 1814. They've been doing this for quite a while. Uh, I happen to get to chair that committee. Trey Gowdy used to, trade that, used to chair that committee. And um, it's just kind of laughable to suggest. Now, when the shoe was on the other foot and it was Donald Trump's kids that were brought up and Donald Trump people like uh, Steve Bannon decided not to show up, guess what? They were held in contempt. And then they were prosecuted and we're waiting to see what the sentencing look like, looks like, but looks like, uh, you know, people had the potential of spending months in jail. And so there's uh, there's got to be a consequence to no show. Otherwise, nobody's going to show up to Congress. Why would you show up if it's optional? Um, he should have shown up, could have pleaded the fifth. You can still plead the fifth amendment. You don't give up your rights to that, but you still have to show up when you have a duly issued subpoena. All right, enough of that. Time to bring on the stupid because you know what? There's always somebody doing something stupid somewhere. This time we go to Michigan and Michigan Live uh, is where we found this. Uh, one of our crack producers, she was right on top of this. Um, it was shop with a cop night, and at Walmart they had 75 police officers there. I don't know if they were sheriff or uh, or police officers, but nevertheless, 75 policemen, uh, law enforcement were there. Uh, this is in, I believe, uh, Livington County. Uh, evidently, there was a 62-year-old woman. The allegation is um, that even though there were 75 cops there for the shop with the cop night, uh, she decided to try to steal $727 worth of stuff. One of the officers followed her out, and as she put the stuff in her car, they detained her, have charged her, and uh, whoops, maybe not the smartest move to do. Not smart to do at all, but when you got 75 cops and it's shop with the cop night, really a bad time to do it. Maybe she thought, oh, everybody will assume everything's on the up and up. Bad call, bad move. Probably gonna, the judge is probably gonna look at that and say, yeah, that was probably a bad move. All right, time to move on and bring on my friend Trey Gowdy. I know no other way to introduce him other than just dial him up. And I've got to tell you, as, as I preview this, this is exactly, I don't even know what we're going to say. I don't know what's going to go down, but I'm just telling you, whenever I call Trey, it goes a hundred different directions. We never know exactly what we're going to talk about. If he calls me, I call him. It's just fun and we smile. And I hope you do too during this holiday season. I hope you enjoy this. 
Let's give a shout to Trey Gowdy. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Trey Gowdy, how are you? I'm doing great, JC. How are you? Fired up, ready to go. I, I love the holidays. I Have you gotten my Christmas gift yet? Uh, yeah, it was the same thing I got the previous years I've known you, which is absolutely nothing. Actually, it's usually worse than nothing. It's a request for something. Yeah, well, I I understand that. How many times have we gone to dinner and you're kind of patting yourself down and like, where's my wallet? I don't have my Can you help me out? Like, hey, how many times? look, I, <laughs> you can't possibly remember everything. Uh, I had to remember my phone, so I can't remember my wallet and my phone. Plus, you made a gazillion dollars as a as a, a skincare consultant before you got to Congress. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you like bringing that up, don't you? My first my first job out of college, I worked for New Skin Enterprises, and Trey Gowdy likes to remind us all that I was helping to sell skincare. <laughs> You know what? Your your colleague from the great state of Utah, Mike Lee, apparently he was eating dinner with us one time. Mike Lee is a United States senator from the great state of Utah. Yeah. And apparently you picked a fight with me and I was defending myself. And of course, Mike Lee is a constitutional scholar. Right. Uh, and and apparently it doesn't sound like something I would say, but he claims I said, who would you listen to? a cosmetic salesperson, or a constitutional law scholar. I, that does not sound like something I would say, Jason, but no. he says oh, I no. did. And he, That's not you, – you haven't read – would Trey Gowdy ever point out something like that? No, that would never happen. Ah. Actually, I enjoy getting your Christmas card. You have a beautiful family. You have beautiful uh, children and children-in-law and your wife, Julie. Uh the thing, I, I guess it saddens me when I get that Christmas card because you are, near as I can tell, the only person in the history of mankind who broke his foot putting up Christmas decorations. No, 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 no. It was, it was 4th of July. I was changing a light bulb in my garage. Uh, okay. Well, you remember it how you want to remember it, and I'll remember it how I want to remember it. <laughs> but okay. we're playing basketball, and, and, and you're like an eggshell. You say, well, don't touch me. Don't step on my foot. Don't don't make me run. Don't make me sweat because I got 15,000 pins in my foot. <laughs> That's true. Because I misstepped coming off a ladder. So I – I, I can get a little bit of exercise. I can't really run. I can't, you know, have this agility, and it's pretty fragile. Last thing I want to do is re-break this thing because they did put 14 screws and, and two plates in my foot. And so in the house gym, there is this basketball court, and there was a little pickup basketball game that was going on. And sure enough, uh, count on the gentleman from um, – well, gentleman's generous – but from South Carolina, Mick Mulvaney. And I say to everybody, hey, listen, I'll kind of move like I can, but don't just don't step on my foot, okay, everybody? Just don't step on my foot. What happens on the first <laughs> thing? Here comes Mick Mulvaney. He steps, fortunately, on my left foot as opposed to my right foot. But I'm like, Mick, you can't do that. It's I'm going to – oh, my gosh. And so I sat down. You, I, there's no way I could – Well, here's the good news. Uh, and Mick, Mick Mulvaney playing basketball in itself is kind of funny. Yeah, well, Mick moves like a three-toed sloth. Uh, he, he also weighs about what most supermodels weigh. So I'm surprised that you remember he stepped on your foot. I mean, oh, he, he, he weighs about 100 pounds. Yeah, and he's, what is he, 4'9"? How tall is he? He wears he wears boots now. He wears those same <laughs> boots that Marco and DeSantis wear. He's up to five feet. He's up to five feet. Oh my gosh! Well, look, we had a, a lot of fun there. You know, the we both slept in our offices. Um, 
you did your configuration a little different than mine. I actually brought a cot, but you <laughs> you bought didn't you have like a couch that folded out? I tried everything. Uh, Duffy, Sean Duffy, uh, our great friend from Wisconsin, uh, probably better known now as Rachel Duffy's husband. Right. Uh, Duffy talked me into buying an air mattress. And I tried that, and it literally was like sleeping on a raft in the Pacific Ocean during a tsunami. (laughs) That is what it, I mean, (laughs) an air mattress. That you did must not move work. a lot in your sleep. <laughs> well, I mean, like if you move at all, you fall off. And, <laughs> you know, not to gross people out, but I had so many mice in my office, I began to name them. I mean, yeah. they became friends. <laughs> so I didn't want to, like, lay, lay on, the on the floor. Ground. <laughs> I did buy a couch. It was supposed to be the best pull-out couch it costs a lot of money but it it made me and 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 by the way the best pullout couch is still worse <laughs> than the worst bed well i got grossed out because you know constituents would come by and people would visit you and they'd sit on that couch and then you would fold it on sleep on it. <laughs> yeah like, but, but but i folded it back up into a couch it's not like they were sitting on my pillow like <laughs> It kind of felt like it. It was weird. It was just weird. But it was a very you nice know what's comfy different couch. Now, though? You know what's different now? I didn't even realize this. I don't know when it happened. They get, they have the ability now. It's almost like a per diem. Yeah. They can get reimbursed, right? Which, I, I mean, I, I assume you looked. I know I looked to see what could, I mean, nobody sleeps in their office because he or she wants to. It's a pretty miserable experience. And then going down to the member gym, which is a whole other horror story. But <laughs> it was like $2,500 a month for a one-room efficiency, utilities excluded. Right. And oh, by the way, you also have a house back in your home district. You may have kids that are you know, crazy enough to want to go to college. And it it was like, I didn't have a choice, but I I think I'll let you speak for yourself. I I think my experience would have been a lot more enjoyable if the evenings were more enjoyable. It, It is hard to sleep on a couch with the cleaning crew coming in, no matter how many times you say I'm good, I don't need my trash can emptied, flipping on an overhead light that really looks like the strongest star in the solar system coming on at 2 o'clock in the morning. Or, better yet, could you ever hear the elevator? So, I couldn't hear the elevator. The problem that I had was um, members of Congress have a panic button that goes right to the Capitol Hill police. So, if something happens, well, mine evidently had a bit of a short in it. Because on more than one occasion, in the middle of the night when I actually was asleep, all of a sudden the door comes flying open, the lights on, and I am just like, and there are two Capitol Hill police like, you okay? And I'm like, yeah. And he said, well, your panic alarm went off. And I'm like, I know I wasn't like walking around pushing the button. And that was, that was actually pretty funny. But to your point about the cleaning crew, I got to know my guy, and I and I asked him. I said, "Hey, man, do you mind coming like a little bit early?" And I would sit down and chat with him. I he would come sit on my couch and we talk. I got to know him pretty well. He would tell me stories like he would save up his money and then he'd go to Vegas. And I'd say, "Like, look," and I was coaching him. Look, you got to buy your return ticket, okay? Just whatever cash you're gonna go play with, great. Go have fun. And he told me some of the craziest stories, and he loved Vegas. That's all he wanted to do is save up enough money and go back to Las Vegas. <laughs> and But uh, I had fun getting to know him and chatting with him. And the guy that, you know, those little Zambonis, that's what would get me is outside the door, they would clean the floors, and they'd ride around in these, like, Zamboni floor cleaners. I could hear that guy. I could hear the vacuum bumping into the bumping into the desk and chairs in the next room. I had fans going. I had every what I here. 
Here's where I kind of stopped with your story. You probably don't know this. Those two police officers that had to respond to your office in the middle of the night right? while you were asleep in bed, they're both in psychiatric hospitals right now <laughs> because of what they saw. <laughs> well, <laughs> so this actually has a very unhappy ending. Well, uh, let's go back to your point about the mice, because I, had, too, had a mouse problem, and it was a fight. I wasn't as friendly with you. I don't. I didn't need these little. They were little mice, right? They weren't big rats. The big rats are the ones wearing the ties, right? So it was these little mice, and they. But they would come out, and they were so clever. And I had some colleagues like, oh, "Okay, yeah, it's easy. Just set a trap." I'm like, I couldn't get them. So then they said, "Okay." Before I finally had success was with those sticky pads. And I even sent, I even think I sent out a tweet. I said, dear PETA, and I sent it to PETA. I said, <laughs> if you care about this, you come get them out of my office. Otherwise, I'm going to kill them. And they didn't show up to help me get the mice out of my office. Well, uh, I did not want to kill the mice. Uh, I have a hard time. I still to this, well, the other night, my wife saw a some kind of flying bug on the wall. I got it and put it outside. I, I just, I don't know. Well, you got like I, I these ferocious dogs at home, right? You got, I didn't mind seeking the death penalty for people that never bothered me, but <laughs> like killing a bug or a, or a mouse that, that I drew the line there. Well, I'd put this cot and I'd lay it out and I had to make sure all the, my little blanket and sheets and all that, that little sheet, did not go on the floor because all I could envision was that the mouse was, I know he could probably just jump up on this little, the cot was not a foot off the ground. And, um, but I was always thinking this thing would jump, but somehow I could comfort my mind thinking, all right, as long as my, as long as my sheets and my, my blanket aren't dripping onto the floor to allow him a ramp up onto my face, then I think I'd be okay. <laughs> You obviously watched that Rambo movie one too many times where he's in a tunnel with a bunch of rats on it. I don't I don't know that they're or Indiana Jones or yes, like I, I just that it just wasn't that fun. I just I, I think I, I ended up killing this. half a dozen, and maybe six or seven, you, I think I killed. You oh my lord, that's like the killing fields. <laughs> uh you uh we're going to have to give you a third name because all like mass murderers have three names. <laughs> uh, here, you got to answer this honestly. You know, we were told there were six beds down in the member gym. Yes. And we were told very specifically, you cannot spend the night there. Now, if you want to catch a nap, you, you, you can, but you cannot spend the night there. And I never did. But I got a sneaking suspicion uh, that, that there were people who did. They went down to one of those six beds and had themselves a really nice night's sleep. So their justification is that sometimes you're there late at night. You don't have time to go home. They didn't want to sleep. So they put they, there, there are like little tiny rooms in that house gym, which is down in the basement of the Rayburn building. And um, but. I, I once thought, okay, I'm going to do this. I have a super early flight. I don't know. There was some reason I would, and I tried, I tried it, Trey. It was so gross because, like, it freaked me out because when I looked at the sheets and I looked at the the bed, there were hair. There were a couple loose hairs, and I thought, I'm not the first one to sleep on this. These sheets have not been, <laughs> so I could not do it. I was like, I, there's no way I'm doing this, and I just walked out. Like, it was so disgusting. Well, that, I when I say house gym, can you smell it? I can smell it, and it's got uh, a distinctive. Gross it had smell. a distinctive smell. It had, uh, you know, I tried to find a door to go through. I'm not a morning person, as you probably recall. I don't like a lot of like chatting in the morning. Uh, oh, oh, really? Let me <laughs> so... let me try to paint a picture of what was going on here. <laughs> Flip flops, shorts. <laughs> some sort of disheveled t-shirt, a skull cap, <laughs> and, and and legs that were not lifting off the ground. It's just shuffling <laughs> left, right, left, right, but not leaving the floor itself. <laughs> literally shuffling through. Hey, Trey, how are you? 
the <laughs> if that is that a pretty good uh, picture is that about yeah, accurate? why were you in such a good mood i mean it's six or seven o'clock in the morning why are you in a good mood i was exercising i was on the bike or if you were next to jim jordan look out because boy that was the splash zone that guy Talk about a workout. He still thought he was in, in, in wrestling mode. He'd put on the full plastic, you know, like the, the plastic pants, the plastic shirt, whatever, the hoodie, and he'd just get on there and he'd be dripping. I mean, it was just like a faucet coming off of his face. He really worked out. But, boy, you were close to him. Like, you didn't want to be on that machine. I tell people that Jordan Jordan does things in the gym that I've never seen anybody else do. <laughs> I mean, I, plenty of people, you know, on the treadmill, there were pl- plenty of pretty good, you know, athletes there. But Jordan would do a wide grip pull up, drop to the floor, do a push up, do a sit up, hop right back up. I mean, just one right after the other. And I, I mean, that guy's our age. Well, he's my age. We're older than you are. He's doing stuff in a gym I've never seen anybody do. Of course, he was, I mean, to say he was a college wrestler. He was an elite college yeah, wrestler. Yeah, he was like an all-American wrestler, yeah. He yeah. beat John Smith. Nobody beat John Smith except Jim Jordan. Well, I'm convinced the reason he's – first of all, he's not wearing a coat because it doesn't really fit him because he's pretty – he's a really strong guy, and if not, he's probably still hot from the workout that he had in the morning. Uh, that guy he's would also kind of a farmer. Um, I just – he's a little bit like – you know, Mark Wayne Mullen from Oklahoma, they, they'll wear a suit if they have to, uh, not to get all political. But, you know, Jim, there are more comments made about the fact that Jim might take his blazer off than who's that senator that looks like he robbed a convenience store? <laughs> uh, the senator from Pennsylvania, John Fetterman. Yeah, I mean, that was like. You know, oh, let's praise his individuality. Let's let's pr- praise his nonconformity. But God forbid Jim Jordan take off his jacket during a congressional hearing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And he actually abided by the rules. He put the coat on when you go on the floor of the house. But Jim does not like wearing a coat. That's for sure. Well, you, you know where rule follower. You know where things picked up in the gym is when. There was always whoever was in the majority, the speaker would appoint somebody to be kind of in charge of the gym as from a member's perspective. I don't know if you remember, but at one point, Nancy Pelosi appointed Jesse Jackson Jr. to be in charge of the gym. And oh, my goodness, it's as if there was no budget um, because everything changed for the better. Huge mat with the with the logo on it suddenly all this boxing equipment came in do you remember all the television screens but it's still i remember things got better but i didn't know how or why they got better oh but, Jesse. but just so the listener knows you you do pay for the gym membership i mean it, it's not and it's not glamorous down there people are kind of envisioning like the best gym. oh no this is like a 1950s high school gym where the lockers are not even a foot wide type of thing. Like it, it's it's pretty clanky. And and that workout room that we talk about with all these members in it and stuff. This is not. I mean, there's a lot of places that are. <laughs> it's not very swanky, but it, it does had the a job. basketball court, at, which we often converted to a paddle ball court, which is. I played a ton of paddle ball. Like Jeff Flake was really, really good. Uh, Bob Dole, Charlie Dent. Uh, then there's a group right below that um, guy. Who was the guy that played volley? He was like an Olympian volleyball. Uh, Jared from California. Um, he was really, really good too. But I taught Tulsi Gabbard to play paddle ball. And you know me, I'm from the South. I'm sitting here thinking, well, you know, Trey, be a gentleman. You you taught her how to play. This is her first game. You know, <laughs> I, just take it easy. Don't, 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 you know, try to see how bad you can beat her. It's, it's a hard game to pick up. You just, she, she just learned it. She kicked your butt, and I loved every minute. No, we're 1919. <laughs> it's tied at 19. And I'm doing everything I can to not lose to somebody who's never played paddle ball before. And I, I go, to, I go to get hit the ball, and I run into her. I have run into softer 
granite walls than, than running into <laughs> Tulsi Gabbard. I literally, I, I think like stuff is still wrong with me from running into her. That is, that is one solid human being. She is, she is a great athlete, but I mean, uh, she's such. I, a I would nice rather person. run into the wall than run into her. Yeah, I I had no problem with this. I thought it was great, <laughs> great because you could watch from where the the exercise bikes were and stuff. You could see out into the gym, and yeah, it was pretty funny. I think there was one big fundamental mistake that I made though, because when I initially got assigned my locker, it was on the main floor, and it was like right next to it, really close to like Anthony Weiner's locker and some other notorious people, and um, I. I don't know. I'm old enough. I don't really like the group showering thing. Um, like, don't need to do that. Don't need to, like, I like privacy. And so they had individual showers, like with uh, shower curtains and stuff, but it still wasn't that private. But then I found the magic of downstairs. And here's where I went wrong. I asked to change my locker, and I did. I, I got downstairs. A lot less people. And I found a private... Um, shower and that had uh, like a full sink and toilet in it and you could lock the door. My biggest mistake was I told Trey Gowdy about it because yes, Trey said, did. good idea, Jason. And how many times would I go down there and I think, oh, okay, now it's time to take a shower and it, and I, and it would be locked. And I knew exactly who was in there. <laughs> Trey Gowdy taking his sweet uh, old time. Well, that was my biggest mistake because how many times did I sit there for 20 minutes waiting for you <laughs> to do your minutes. hair? I mean, it was minutes. absurd. Uh, I don't know what you were doing in there, but it took a long time. And I remember <laughs> doing that night, day after day after day. Duffy told me about a shower in the basement of Cannon. And I, and it also was, it was almost, it was like a, a, a law enforcement officer shower. And I went down there. And there were cobwebs from like the Civil War era. So I said, this ain't going to work. I'm not going down there. And then I did the mass shower for a while, which is just awful. I mean, it is awful, awful. <laughs> That's awful. cruel and unusual punishment. Uh, and you're right. You told me about the one down there by the little therapeutic pool and the door does lock. And you don't run out of hot water. and But I'm telling you, Jason, I mean, I know people are sitting there saying, good Lord. I mean, y'all got to talk about something other than this. But the water in the member gym was really resembled skim milk. It had a whitish hue to it, and it had the same consistency as skim milk. So it's not like any shower you took down there was like was like a lot of fun. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to turn this whole podcast into our griping about the house gym, um, which was a privilege. We did pay for it. We paid a few hundred dollars to, to access it. and um, But, uh, boy, those were some of the times that I remember. I started with, did you get my Christmas present? But I evidently not. <laughs> Because we're, we're kind of just past Christmas, and I, it hasn't yet arrived, so. Well, uh, I, you know, my guess is it is um, the 11th in what is probably going to be a 20-part series of your books, Deep State Part 11, is probably the, the, the present. <laughs> so if my, my suspicion is, you know, if I read it, I'll be the only one in this conversation who has read it. Oh, yeah, right. Do you know uh, Let's go back to your dogs here. Now, I think when I first met you, you had three dogs, and I love the names of these dogs. I hope you don't yeah. mind my getting so personal. Judge, Jury, and Bailiff, right, were the yep. names of your dogs? Yep, yep. But they, it's uh, been a few years now, and, you know, some of them passed away. But didn't All you just them. buy, like, this elephant of a of a dog? <laughs> what was the breed of this dog? Oh. It's, like, absurd. It's, like... You got a horse? What did you do? Uh, we had judge, jury, and bailiff. In fact, I was just out in my backyard. We we 
a buddy of ours planted three trees kind of uh and they're really cool looking little 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 trees uh in honor of those three dogs i got little plaques out there for them i mean you know they're just they're they're like family family. and then when bailiff i mean jury lived to be 18 years old which is pretty amazing for a dog but when bailiff passed away i told my wife i'm not i'm not getting anything else that doesn't outlive me i'm just not going through this again and that lasted for about two weeks (laughs) but i knew that she wasn't quite ready for a new dog so i had a choice i could try to talk her into it or i could do it on my own and surprise her so i went online and i don't think you've watched game of thrones Jason, because it's like not rated G, but there was a miniseries called Game of Thrones. Are you familiar with that? I'm familiar. I've never watched it, but yeah. No, no. We know you've never watched it because Julie would 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 cut your eyeballs out if you watched that. But but I did watch it, uh, and they have something called dire wolves in there. They they're dogs that look like wolves. There's not a single wolf part of the dog. They're just bred to look like them. Wow, and I that thought that's great. a Cool look, and they're a couple of breeders, but they're both in the Pacific Northwest. So I emailed one and said I'd like to get on the waiting list uh, for one for one of your dogs, and she happened to be a Fox News watcher, and she said we actually have the smallest one in the litter that has not sold yet. Um, do you want him? And I said sure. Now, and when you say small. The smallest. Well, he might have been small as a baby. He's not small now. So, like, he's, how big is his dog? He's he's about as big as my wife. He's gigantic. Well, your wife's pretty tiny. So, yeah, how big well, is, your your wife's I'll not gigantic. More than, You're gonna have a lot to answer. She does. <laughs> okay, but he, she's like, come on. You might want to clean up this this podcast um, and say, well, he, oh, he's how, he's he he. Um, can you pick he up is, this dog? He's like part. He, he, they're called a dire wolf. It, it's it, it, it's kind of a combination of different breeds. Sweetest disposition in the world. They don't bark. They howl. Um, but he <laughs> oh, that's what I'm looking a, for. I want a dog well, that wakes me up to howling <laughs> like a wolf. Well, it is. Um, you know when I I went ahead and. And said, yeah, you got one, you know, they drive the dogs to you. I didn't want to fly him across country as a puppy, so I, I paid him to drive the dog from you know, the Pacific Northwest to South Carolina. And I still had not told my wife. Oh, she got an goodness. alert from Chewy's that the delivery will be made. And she called <laughs> Chewy's and said, you know, we must have had auto delivery. Our dog passed away. We, oh, we, you, we, we don't. cruel of you. I still you, hadn't Trey. told her. Trey, you know how mean of you. She had to relive the death of your other dog. Oh, that's uh, my, just cruel. My wife is the sweetest human being on the face I of the I know. Earth. She probably but, but, really got took that emotionally. No, no. I, Terry, her emotion I was one so of anger. Sorry. Her, I'm so sorry, emotion, Terry was one of anger of how in the world could you order a dog and not tell me about it so she came back in my office and you know her personality i mean she's the sweetest person in the world she said did you order something from chewy's and i said i did and she said did you do it for our daughter's dog and i said no i've been meaning to tell you and i've been meaning me, to tell you and she said well Okay. What? When is the dog coming? And I said tomorrow. <laughs> so, Gosh. If I surprise my wife with a dog, a wolf, nonetheless, that is bigger than she is, oh my gosh! I can't even imagine. I, uh, I, uh, he, he is. Um, he, I don't. I just. We, we've had him. We've had a dog in our house for 20 almost 25 years it just i i thought i'd be okay without one and i was not so hey i pretty much grew up with dogs all the time now the 
at one point I was the campaign manager and then the chief of staff to Governor John Huntsman here in Utah. And John Huntsman had some dogs. And then he always liked to get rescue dogs. And um, but then when he became governor, his dad decided to give him a dog. Well, that meant that I think they had four dogs. And um, and then somebody pointed out to me that the city <laughs> city ordinance for Salt Lake City, where the capital is, uh, that you can have no more than three dogs. And so I had to go to the governor elect and say, I hate to tell you this, but you can't, you know, I, I wouldn't advise being the new governor and just bypassing the city ordinance on the number of dogs. So our, our kids loved this dog. His name was, its name was Moya and it was a golden retriever and it was a little bit older. And, um, he decided for Christmas that, that he would give us that dog and it just fit perfectly with us. It's such a perfect temperament of a dog. And we surprised our kids and gave them this dog and, you know, from the Huntsman's. It was just really nice. It was really nice. This dog is probably eight or nine years old at this point. And so, <laughs> um, bring the dog and the first night we didn't know exactly where it was going to sleep. I'm not a huge, let's have the dog sleep in our bed or, you know, in the room, but it was, it, it was disoriented. It didn't like where it was in the laundry room. And so we, we brought it into the bedroom, put the little bed out there and it went to sleep. And, but in the middle of the night, Trey, middle of the night, I mean, it's like three o'clock in the morning. We are, Julie and I are sound asleep. All of a sudden this dog decided to jump up on the bed and it scared the living daylights out. I about jumped out of my skin when all of a sudden have this, I don't know how many pounds, 70 pound dog, jump up, 60 pound dog, jump up on my bed, like right on top of me. Oh, it scared me so bad. We started off with uh, Justice as our new dog. We started off with him in a crate. It was a giant crate, but a crate down in the playroom. And I could hear him cry. So I waited until my wife was gone one day and I moved the crate into the bedroom because she told me he is going to be in a crate. We are not going to be stepping over dogs in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. He's going to be in a crate. Yes, ma'am, honey. So I moved the crate to our bedroom. And then the first night he was in there, he was still crying. So I laid down by the crate and held his paw and did not get a very good night's sleep. Oh and then gosh. I don't know where my wife went, but when she came home, the crate was gone. So he's been he's been sleeping on the floor right beside, for the most part, right beside her bed ever since then. Well, it's a good security, and it's it, they become part of your family, and that's good. People, you, you gotta you gotta love dogs. I just I almost lost my first election. I remember I was way out in front. And my little staff that we had, and we were all volunteers. There was no paid staff, but we were talking about what to do the last three weeks of the campaign. And I'm pulling like way out in front, but it's my first campaign. And the strategy was basically don't blow it. Don't do something stupid. And so sure enough, Fox 13 here in, in Utah comes and puts a microphone and says, hey, we want to do the, I think it, they call it six and 60, something like that, you know, answer six questions in 60 seconds. And one of the very first questions was cats or dogs. And I couldn't just answer that question. I didn't just say dogs. I said, and I'm paraphrasing because it's been a while now. I said, dogs, you know, one of the great books I got was 101 uses for a dead cat. That is a really good oh. book. Oh, oh my, my gosh. Oh my I God. got lit up nationally on on this this answer to this question, the hate mail I received, the I will never vote for you again, you're an evil person. Oh my gosh, you just I can't believe that I <laughs> my staff turns to me and says, All you had to do is answer the question. That's all you had to do. And you did that? Well done, Jason. Well done. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a communications expert. Uh, we can get Dana <laughs> Perino on the phone. She's really good about stuff like this, but to me, there's a big chasm between I love them both, but I prefer dogs. Right. And then what you said, which was 101 uses for a dead cat. 
there was like there's like an entire universe between those two answers and you decided to go you know john wayne gacy on everybody (laughs) it's a pretty funny book i haven't looked at it in years (laughs) but maybe i've learned a few things and i probably get some hate mail from this podcast but you know no no, you no you haven't because do you remember (laughs) do you remember when they came to interview us about the NCAA brackets, they wanted us to come fill out. The well, we, we need to forget about this moment. No, 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 no. I am in the state with the number one ranked women's basketball team in America. And Kim Mulkey has been my friend for 20 years. So they ask us, we fill out Wait. the men's bracket. And then they appropriately say, you know, you want to fill out the this women's is, bracket. It's and so I we- said, Yes. And you said, who cares about women's basketball? They said, nobody watches women's basketball. Who cares about women's basketball? This is like on ESPN or something. And we were, yeah, or we something. Were, yeah. We were like something. doing a live shot on ESPN. I think it was ESPN. And we're doing a live shot. And, and Trey is over there waxing on. He can name like the players, the coaches, the teams who did well last year. And I'm thinking, why did they invite me? I know I can't name a single player, never been to a game, can't name a single coach, can't even name the teams that they are playing, other than I knew Connecticut was a pretty good team. Um, and, yeah, I was a little too candid with just saying, nobody watches women's <laughs> Yeah, that was not the best. What was your worst, most embarrassing moment like that, you know, out in public? Uh... Because I, I got mean, a really my, long list, but you want them alphabetically, you want them yeah. chronologically. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the a... very, the very first interview I ever did was with Megan Kelly, and um, and I was very nervous. It was over in the Cannon Rotunda. She was nervous, yeah. Well, but it it's it's remote, so all you're doing is looking at a you know four inch round circle. There is no person. So I decided that it would be more interesting if I looked at the top of my shoes. So I, I <laughs> literally did the interview with her. I mean, now I'm a little bit better at it. You know, you have to look at the camera tray. I, I literally looked at the at the top of my shoes. And, and it was awful. And I knew then that I would never be invited back on. And, and you know, for about a year, I wasn't. And then, you know, God bless Greta Van Susteren. She said, well, surely he can't be that dumb still. So Greta gave me a chance to come on and then Martha. And, but, but no, that first interview with Megan Kelly was awful. What's the hardest thing about having your own show? Probably not falling for, we all have a desire to be successful, but you have to define success in your own way. And there's a temptation to chase ratings that, that the number of people watching therefore means that it must be real quality. And I, I tried to resist that. I've, I've tried to have, you know, I mean, I say this, with respect and humility, there are stories that we don't hear about, but we probably should. Right. And then there are the stories that you hear about, you know, pretty much nonstop all day long. And I I like to go find, I mean, I think uh, now two or three times we've done stories on missing women of color. That's something that was important to me because I actually prosecuted those cases. And I, I think to me, it's part of fairness. It's not going to be a ratings driver. So try, the hardest part, and, I, and I'll say this, Jason, and this is, you know, with the Lord as my witness, my bosses at Fox have never once said a word about ratings. They have never once said, you know, you got to get your numbers up or you got to get this demographic up or you got to be more provocative. Never once. But there's still this temptation, you know, you host all the time. You you don't want to, like, be perceived as a flop or a failure, and you judge that based on the number of people watching. Right. I mean, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm glad to hear that because, uh, I mean, 
Sunday Night in America with Trey Gowdy. That's that's part of what I I like about it. It's you're not going to get the. Um, it's not going to be an all red meat show. It's just you know you're going to tight tackle a, bring on some guests that you normally wouldn't see in other settings. I mean you got to do some right because it's top of mind. It's what people are talking about. It's it's uh, it's what the country's thinking about. But you also bring in some guests. I'm like I've never seen that person before, and it's it's good. That's what I like about it. Well, thank you for that. And also, the other thing that's a little bit different is I spent the first, you know, 20-something years of my professional career interrupting people. I mean, you do it all the time in the courtroom. We had to do it in congressional hearings. You just have to – the questioner is the star. And in television, I just have decided I'm not going to inter- interrupt the guest. I just I they're my guest. They get five minutes. I can say what I want before or after they come on, but I'm not gonna So if you like that verbal sparring, which I mean you're you're such an affable, easy to get along with guy. You're you're not conflict oriented. I'm not saying you're afraid of it, but you don't wake up in the morning saying, How can I pick a fight with somebody? I I you know, I did that. I did it for a quarter of a century. Um, fault with people in the courtroom and in congressional hearings. I just, I don't want to do it on television. Totally switching gears here on you, but it's kind of the same. It just sparked this, you know, you're a prosecutor for a, a long time. I loved, I said to you one time, I said, how many cases did you lose? And to, to, I don't know if you, you give the same answer twice, but I said, how many cases did you lose? And you said, none, right? And I said, oh, come on, how can you not lose any cases? And then I think you said to me, well, look, a good prosecutor knows when to plead out <laughs> a, a case. I'm not, you know, but I thought that was very telling. But, the, you know, and you go back and you look at, and I see them sometimes on like some of those crime shows and stuff. You had some horrifically hard, difficult, I mean, brutal cases. How did oh, they're you, awful. How did you, like emotionally, mentally, you you? I mean, between you and your wife and your family and your values and everything, how do you go through such a gruesome, brutal evil? I mean, some of these cases are just flat-out evil. How do you do that and then maintain a sense of balance and sanity? And How did you do that? Uh, well, I didn't, unfortunately. It, uh, you, do pay a, you do pay a price, and, and probably you're— you're a man of faith. Um, I say this with all due respect to myself, I guess, but it impacts your faith. I mean, you just you, you, it's it's all you see, and therefore you think it's all that exists. You try very hard to keep it from your family, but uh, I'm actually, you know, not hawking a book because it's nowhere near done. But I'm writing a book now that's a crime drama. You know, I've written three others that. You know, we're, I guess, more self-help, but I'm writing a crime drama. And I send it to someone and they said, God, how in the world could you come up with this depravity? How could you come up with these crime scenes? And I'm thinking every one of them is real. I None of this is made up. Hmm. Every part of this I saw. So you don't the truth is you it either makes you closer I guess to your faith I have seen prosecutors that it made them you know more I guess stronger in their faith it didn't have that impact for me I just I just I wonder if God can create the universe and create everything he's created in 6 days why he couldn't keep a kid from getting killed What uh Why'd you gravitate to criminal law? I mean, you start going to law school, you can go a lot of different directions, right? But prosecuting criminal law, that's that's a that's a tough row and you know, it's not the most financially lucrative either. So what no. was what was the impetus there? What was the what was the driver where you had Terry said, Yeah. I think it was it was a couple of things. There were no lawyers in my family. Uh, there are now both my kids went to law school, but um, and a brother-in-law, but but at the time, no lawyers, so I had nobody to ask, nobody to talk to. I did okay in 
in constitutional law class, uh, which is not, you know, exactly similar to criminal. But what really clicked was something my mom said. She was a victim advocate in a in a district attorney's office. So she would make sure the victim knew what their rights were. And she would come home very, very frustrated because a defendant could go hire the best lawyer money can buy. But a victim is stuck with the prosecutor. And she she used to lament that. She goes, why, why would, you know, the family of a homicide victim, why would a sex assault victim not be able to go hire the best lawyer money can buy? Why are you stuck with a DA? And I thought, well, if you're going to be stuck with a lawyer, you ought to be stuck with a good one. And I watched the federal prosecutors when I was clerking for a judge. I watched them. They were really, really, really good. And I thought, how cool would it be to stand up in front of 12 people and say, I represent the United States of America or I represent the state of South Carolina. And once it gets in your blood, Jay-Z, you cannot get it out. There's not there's no area of the law that captures you like like criminal does well thanks for doing it because you're right we need good people doing that and it's tough it's got to be just take an emotional toll you know i i look at these people i have to some of the you know some of these crimes are just they're just horrific and i don't know how you get those pictures out of your mind and anyway thanks for doing that i I, you know, I admire you for doing that. That's, uh, but you got to get into it and then then move along. And you know, somehow, some way, Trey, you got to figure out where that Christmas gift that you were going to get me is because <laughs> we're now past the deadline, and I I count on this. I bank on it. I tell my family it's coming. It's coming. I feel like Clark Griswold on Christmas vacation. It's coming. I promise. It's going to be good. And then nothing shows uh, up, and I feel like I failed my family. No, I, I what you know what Terry and I've decided doing. I mean, Terry used to like make stuff and all this stuff. Yeah, I it, yeah, it, I haven't I, seen that in a while either. Yeah. Well, what I talked her into, although I think she's about to go back to her old ways. I said, you know what, honey, we are so lucky. On, on almost no one in our lives like literally need something. They may want something, but they don't need something. So why don't we donate money in name of and in honor of our friends? And that no, is our Christmas gift. But let's be honest here. I want something. I I am no longer in Congress. I can accept gifts. I I I can accept Some a of gift. Our colleagues I don't have to fill out a disclosure. Them. Some of them accepted them when we were in Congress. <laughs> you didn't, but some did. I know. And so there was a dearth. There was a void there for a while. And look, your wife knows how to cook. I mean, and I got, I, and I like to eat. I got the body to prove it. Oh, my Lord. Do you like to eat? Oh, one of my, I have so many good memories. But here as we kind of conclude the podcast, yeah, I could tell we're running out of time. I actually have no bad memories of you at all. From the, I spent more time around you. Well, it would be between you and Tim Scott and then when you left Radcliffe. But yeah. I spent as much time around you as anyone, and I have no bad memories. I remember one time coming back from dinner, because you're always in a good mood, always in a good mood. Nothing ever bothers you. And our our mutual friend, God rest his soul, probably staff, probably staff, but Elijah Cummings had done something, or more likely staff, that disappointed you. Do you remember that? And I, and I remember yeah. you calling. Because it was so out of character for him. And I don't think he did it. I think his staff did it. But almost every memory I have of you from our time there involves laughing. That's true. That's true. We had a good time. We did. You know, there's a lot of weighty issues and things that come before you. But you got to just laugh and not take yourself too seriously and have fun. That's, uh, that's why... 
I enjoyed it. To your point, at night, you know, it's kind of hard. It's lonely. You're away from your family. Your wife's back by herself. You're there, and and, um, and you got a bunch of reading you got to do to get ready for the next day. But I think the the dinners and stuff that we had that that was a really fun times. That was really fun times. You know, people back home early on, because their idea is that congressmen are surrounded by you know these Hollywood actresses and these. You know, supermodel. I, I don't know what they think, but but I I used to have people say, you know, we're we're, we're so proud of you. you've gone there, and there's you know been no scandal. And I'm sitting there thinking, uh, guys, uh, I don't drink, and I spend my time with Tim Scott and the Mormons. So what what trouble exactly would would I be getting into? I mean that that is that is not a formula for getting in trouble. You we know, had a pretty – I mean, it was fun for us, but in terms of it's work, it's go to dinner, it's walk back to the office building, maybe watch something, prepare for the next hearing, and go to bed. That was the glamorous life of a member of Congress. Yeah, fight off the mice in my office was part of that <laughs> equation. I will say, and I hope you take this the right way. I hope everybody listening takes this the right way. I think one of the the – the funniest things you said about me, and there's, you're a funny guy, right? So there's a lot of funny stuff. But if you recall, we I had a hearing about the Secret Service, and then there was a notice put out from kind of the number two person of the Secret Service saying it's time to, it's time to to uh, even out this fight. Uh, we need to get Jason Chaffetz. And 40, 40 Secret Service agents dove into my background and did all this stuff and. After this investigation of a year, um, you know, the only thing that they found was that I had filled out this application thinking, oh, maybe I should be a Secret Service agent. That was the only thing they found in my background. And I, and when this story came out, I remember you said, and it was pretty funny to me, he said, congratulations, you just figured out that Jason Chavitz is the most boring person in Congress. We could have told you that. You had to sit 40 Secret Service agents on him to figure that out? Come on, guys. I, mean, I, I actually mean it as a compliment. But, I mean, I if, started you laughing. Punish, if you want to punish someone, tell them to go do a background check on Jason Chavitz. I mean, you will be bored out of your mind. I started laughing so hard. I thought that was pretty funny because I know that there were 40 agents that were doing everything they could to find something. And I just felt like I got this political enema that, like, I didn't deserve. But, it, you know, when you when you go in and you get your colonoscopy and it comes back clean, you think, yeah, I feel good. So that's good. Anyway, uh, with that, Trey, I'm just telling you, I mean, maybe I should call Terry. But, you know, food is a good substitute or is a great gift, too. So I'm just saying that those all work. Yeah, well, Julie... I mean, I don't want to dime Julie out. Julie, there was something Julie told us maybe <laughs> we could send. I think it's pronounced Ozempic. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh. are you familiar with that? Uh, yeah, I'm familiar with the reference, yes. Not the actual, uh, but yeah, the reference, yes, I get it. I hope that 2024 is the best year ever for the Chaffetz family. And I hope that all the rumors about you getting back into politics continue to hound you and you continue to have to answer questions for the remainder of the year. Thank you. And for you and Terry and your, your kids and that wolf dog you have, I hope you have a great New Year, a new year as well. So it's going to be a crazy year, 2024. But I appreciate the friendship. And, and uh, thanks for joining me on my podcast. I appreciate it. Uh, well, this I, I wanted people to know, this is like a typical discussion that we would actually have on the phone. Many times we've been on the phone and I thought, oh, that would have been a funny podcast if we had talked that through. <laughs> so, yeah. I well, here. It, it, this will shock this you. Is, I didn't really prepare for this podcast and neither did you. So this was good. I appreciate it. For better or for worse, this is just like a normal conversation, but I'm going to end it on a high note because I'm trying to be better and trying to do better and, you know, trying to work my way to heaven, although my theology may be off a little bit. I, we, I mean, 
in 12 months from now, that'll probably give you time to write five more books. So we'll, we will have, at the rate in which you've been pumping them, pumping them out, we, it will be Deep State Part 13 by this time next year. And I look forward to, well, you would not have read them all by then, but but we'll talk about the ones you have read. <laughs> Trey Gowdy, thanks for joining us. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, JC. I'll see you soon. All right. I hope everybody has a wonderful holiday, wonderful holiday season. You can see why Trey Gowdy and I, uh, we really do enjoy the time together and have a lot of fun. And I hope you, with your loved ones, your friends, uh, enjoy it. Some of you may be by yourself. Maybe uh, maybe it's a little wee bit too lonely, but I hope this uh, brightened your day. And I, I want you to know there are people out there that love you and care for you, even though you may not be able to be with them. Maybe you have a service member in your family who's away from home. Maybe you have somebody who's serving um, in a church capacity and they're, you know, oceans away. I don't know what it is. I just hope this puts a little bit of a smile on your face and you have a wonderful, wonderful, uh, happy new year. Uh, thanks for listening to Jason in the House podcast. Hope you can rate it. I'd really appreciate it if you could rate it. Subscribe to it. Every week we've got great guests. And um, I want to remind people you can listen to ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Join us again next week. We'll have another great guest. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. All of the above. Um, I'm Jason Chaffetz. This has been Jason in the House. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch.